and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Oh, gosh, can't believe it's still going. Oh, yeah. I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> we are three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching others in the process. I'm Robin. I'm here with... Marcy. And Adam. Hey, hey, hey. As hey. usual. That's yep. right. We're all here. Yep. Got the game. I yes. Thought, I thought you were going to say in this together. Oh. But, you know, that's fine, too. It's just not true. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh okay let's say you're watching a film trailer before a movie at the theater or maybe you saw a trailer ad on youtube every movie trailer whether red band or green has at least one thing in common a rating or the promise that there will be a rating we all know them well g pg pg 13 r nc 17 unrated and not yet rated but where do these ratings come from and how did they come to be what do these ratings really mean in terms of what is or isn't appropriate for specific audiences mm-hmm. censorship is a big part of film history and the movie making process although the motion picture association of america mpaa does not censor films, many would argue that it is their ratings that determine the success of a film at the box office or whether a film will get marketed at all. The rating process is notoriously mysterious, and the people involved are generally anonymous. Because of this, many filmmakers have voiced their frustration with the process and the power that the ratings have over the film industry. Today we will take a look at the history of cinema censorship and the creation of the current MPAA rating system. Oh, intriguing. Yeah, we might say a few more bad words in this episode than normal. Yeah. Yeah. We're an explicit podcast, but normally we will say one or two bad words, not not much. We get heated, maybe. Yeah, but today... We're going to be talking about censorship specifically and words that get censored. So we're going to have to say those words. So buckle the fuck up. Here <laughs> we <right>. go. <laughs> exactly. Got our first one in. All now. right. Now, right now we're PG-13. So oh, that's right. Oh. We're still there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to start by talking about pre-code Hollywood before all of these rating systems existed. So in 1915, the Supreme Court ruled that films were not protected under free speech. What? They saw the movie-making business as just that, a business. The ruling allowed the state of Ohio to create a censorship board with the ability to ban any film from being shown in the state. Damn, son. Ohio is such a buzzkill. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Ohio. We live in Ohio, just in case anybody's wondering. So we're allowed to say (laughs) this. We're allowed to say that. (laughs) Ohio was not the first state to create a censorship board. But the ruling made the practice more popular. Soon, local censors existed all over the U.S., and no film was safe from their scrutiny. I mean, I will say that we are trendsetters. Mm, That's true. (laughs) Yes, we weren't the first, but films not being art? Yeah, like, why not not being protected under the First Amendment? The films are not free speech. Obviously, this (sighs) is not something we believe today, but in 1915, they said, oh, no. (laughs) That's just a business. Yeah, they're just doing it for the money. (laughs) The public outcry against indecency in films only increased in the early 1920s with scandals from real film actors. Most famously, a scandal involving silent film star Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. He was charged with manslaughter in the death of Virginia Rapp, a 25-year-old actress that died of a ruptured bladder at one of his parties. 
Th- yeah. Yikes. Mm. This party also included alcohol during Prohibition, which had just passed in 1920. Oh, man. This whole case with Fatty Arbuckle is incredibly interesting, and I encourage everybody listening to look it up if you don't know about it. He was charged with manslaughter and accused of sexually assaulting her, and, and he was actually acquitted of this. The jury found that you know, there wasn't really any evidence that he did this. Mm. The testimony that they had was very weak, and their main witness didn't even come to the stand. It didn't matter. He his entire career was gone after that. So, yeah, so that whole that whole thing is a very interesting interesting situation. This outcry led to even more censorship, and Hollywood needed to come up with a standardized way of censoring themselves while cleaning up their reputation. Interesting to think about a business like this wanting to censor themselves. Mm-hmm. You'd think, I mean, just like you said, it's hard to think about that now because mm-hmm. we're like so opposite of that. You know, it's free speech, it's art, it's that kind of stuff. So yeah. you, you definitely wouldn't want to do this. It's, it's, right. it's strange to, to hear it going the opposite way. Well, know? it's just like they had the option was – all these boards across America mm. aren't being policed by right. an, like an overruling body. So it, it, their film was at the mercy of all of these different people across the country. And it could be, you know, people in Ohio couldn't watch something that people in New York could. And oh, Yeah, that it, sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. yeah, and so I guess they thought if, if we govern ourselves, then that won't happen. Yeah. So, in 1922, the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, the MPPDA, was formed by major production studios. The MPPDA, which would eventually be known as the MPAA, appointed Will Hayes as its first director. Hayes was a well-known politician, the former Postmaster General, and an elder in the Presbyterian Church. After 1922, general film guidelines existed, but they were mostly optional and usually followed only after local censor boards would ban certain movies in their city. For example, the film Babyface in 1933 was re-edited to have a new ending after it was banned in several cities. Wow. Wow. Hayes developed a system of don'ts and be carefuls based on the complaints of local censoring boards, and as silent films gave way to talkies, Hayes helped write a new set of guidelines for the changing medium. These became known as the Motion Picture Production Code, or more commonly, the Hayes Code. Uh-huh. Although the MPAA is most well-known for its rating system, it's important to note that it also helps studios distribute their films, advises them on taxes, and creates a public relations program for the film industry. So the Hayes Code. Exciting Ooh. stuff. Damn, 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 damn. Yeah. I should damn. add some really like jumpy music here. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. I feel like people, I can already hear people snoring, so we gotta, <laughs> gotta wake this up. The Hayes Code was published in 1930, but not enforced until 1934. This is why films made between 1927 and 1934 are considered pre-code Hollywood, as filmmakers got away with more jokes, adult themes, promiscuity, and violence. A lot of Laurel and Hardy is pre-code. Yeah, yeah, they can do kind of whatever. Yeah, Todd and Pitts was pre-code too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't can't have women fooling the men that's just unrealistic yeah. put that in the code, <laughs> put that in the code. <laughs> it cited the introduction of sound in film as one of the main reasons for film censorship the code reads 
The advent of sound on the motion picture screen brought new problems of self-discipline and regulation to the motion picture industry. Sound unlocked a vast amount of dramatic material, which for the first time could be effectively presented on the screen. It makes sense. Mm, yeah. yeah. It, it makes sense that they thought, you know, we, we've got sound now. We need to come up with new rules. Mm-hmm. Some of the outdated rules that were on this code... No kissing that lasts more than three seconds or is too lustful. Oh, so don't, don't moan into your kisses, right? Yes. No. <laughs> to not have romantic partners without at least one leg on the floor in a love scene. Yeah. No depictions of surgical operations. Yep. Too bloody okay. and or, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just, yeah. All right. You know, all of these up until there are like very like sexual in a way mm-hmm. and then that one yeah yep yep operation no we don't want uh, that either. Oper- no operation next one is no ridicule of clergy what if they're being a jerk <laughs> <laughs> can't do it can't do it especially because oh, like we said hayes is an elder in the presbyterian church oh, right yes. right no pity for criminal activity no pity yeah i mean no pity yeah. Don't pity the fool. <laughs> wow, Mr. T's here. Special <laughs> guest. <laughs> and no toilet gags. Well, that throws away a ton of comedy. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's, it's just so easy. Everybody laughs at a good toilet humor sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1934, the Production Code Administration, the PCA, required the studios that agreed to the code, which were most major studios in Hollywood, to submit scripts and final prints of films. If the film passed the standards, it got the PCA seal of approval that ran in the opening credits of the film. If it didn't pass, it was barred from wide release. So if you watch mm-hmm. any of these movies from the, the Hayes Code era, you'll see the seal at the beginning oh. of the movie. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of theaters just would not show a movie without the seal. Major studios owned the theater chains that showed films, and because most, if not all, major studios agreed to the code, any rejected film could not be shown at a mainstream theater. Of course, independent theaters might give it a go, but there's very little profit. Yeah. Uh, I, On one hand, I get it, but on the other hand, I'm like, think about all of the potential movies that could have happened or that we could have seen there are a lot of movies that totally were totally changed if a producer's film was rejected they could appeal to the mppda board or make required edits remember these were the practices of a censorship organization remember that (laughs) it's really important yes for the rest of the episode to remember that that is how it was done back when it was called a censorship organization. Mm-hmm. You could appeal or you made necessary edits that they suggested. Filmmakers rarely won appeals, and films were often re-edited and sometimes even renamed to follow the standards of the Hayes Code. Yeah. <sighs> so their, their way or the highway, huh? Yeah. So basically, there were movies, there was this one called It Ain't No Sin, Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, they gutted it. I mean, they wow. could totally change the movie. And I think very, it just years and years later, they re-released the original. 
Oh, that's wow. so that that's people cool, could actually least. see what the movie was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy just how much, you know, how much these artists were limited Damn. and are limited because of this type of system. Yeah, that's a that's a crying shame, man. I wonder if there it'd be kind of interesting if there'd ever be a time where they do release an old movie like that in its original form and it becomes like super popular over the the censored one mm-hmm. and even it's like this one is winning a like an oscar or something <laughs> for being you know 60 years old or something <laughs> <laughs> you know it'd be, it'd be interesting yeah. yeah it would so in 1966, Jack Valenti became the leader of the MPPDA, which was soon renamed to the MPAA in Washington, D.C. He renamed it while he was there. Yeah. Yep. Just, just I like it. it Much a little shorter. bit. Yeah. 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 In the first two years of becoming president of the MPAA, he was able to rally several different groups to support his idea for a voluntary ratings system. These groups were... Actors, studio heads, Hollywood trade unions, politicians, and religious groups. Religion is kind of an underlying thing that goes throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. There always seems to be religion involved at some point. Hmm. They don't want to spoil the minds of young <laughs> movie viewers, I guess. Despite the Hayes Code only being about 36 years old, it seemed hopelessly outdated. I mean, yeah. It was hopelessly outdated, but it had only been 36 years. And, you know, with technology, I mean, things did change. A lot changed between 1930 and Mm -hmm. 1966 or 1968. There's a lot of stuff that changed in between. Oh, yeah. The change was certainly needed, as the legality of film censorship had changed a lot since 1930. For example, film studios were no longer the owners of the mainstream movie theater chains that showed their films thanks to a 1948 Supreme Court ruling. Oh, thank God. Yes. Yeah, goodness Finally. me. Oh. Could you imagine just, you know, you live near a universal theater mm-hmm. and that's all you can see? Yeah. You can't yeah. ever see a Disney movie or you can't ever see... A Fox movie or anything else. Right. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's so important because it means that the production companies no longer cont- like totally control the whole process. Yeah. From the movie just being made, but also who gets to see it and when, what movies get, get to be shown. Mm-hmm. The yeah. studios no longer have the little, ability to do that. A little more freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they would love it to go back to that. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> Four years later, in 1952, the Supreme Court overturned its 1915 ruling and determined that films were, in fact, protected under free speech. Aha. Yay! Finally! That's so long! Mm-hmm. It's that's a long time way too long. For them to overturn that. The ruling stated, It cannot be doubted that motion pictures are a significant medium for the communication of ideas. Truth. No dip. <laughs> like, <laughs> who who woke up one morning and was like, their art. A Supreme Court like, justice woke up in their sleep and yeah. <gasps> films are art. <laughs> <laughs> this meant that local censor boards were being phased out, making the PCA enforced Hayes Code the main form of film censorship. However, the PCA didn't have the same power as it once had before. In the mid-1950s, they famously banned the film The Moon is Blue. Because of that 1948 decision, the director was able to use an independent distributor, which then was able to show the film in more theaters than any non-PCA-approved film of the past. 
Got him. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So thank God. Justice served. And finally. In 1968, Jack Valenti established the MPAA rating system. Oh, boy. Yay. <laughs> we love that. He did this in concurrence with the National Association of Theater Owners. Valenti was also concerned that the local censor boards would revitalize after another Supreme Court ruling stated that states can adjust the definition of obscenity for films and thought that a self-policing system would appease audiences. Yeah. I mean, he is right. We definitely yeah. could not go backward to yeah. to the censorship boards. No. And, I mean, Gosh. oh my God. Yeah. You know, you have one person who is a little bit more close-minded and it ruins everyone's good time (laughs) you know what i mean yeah at least with something like this it's a little bit more checks and balances kind of format right sure so you can't have that one sure we don't know if we have that one we don't know they don't they won't tell us that's true that's true but i mean at least in the old one it was very obvious in 2004 Valenti said, one, the First Amendment reigns, freedom of speech, freedom of content. The director is free to make any movie he wants to make and not have to cut a millimeter of it. But freedom without responsibility is anarchy. The director will know he can do that, but some of his films may be restricted from viewing by children. Now, I thought that was a balancing of the moral compact. Me and Adam were pretending to that we were standing. He was standing in front of an American flag, <laughs> patriotic music playing. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the First Amendment. He, he sounds very, yeah, rigid and like, oh, this, yeah, this is. Anarchy. I'm doing this. I'm doing yeah. this to freedom keep the freedom. Responsibility. And, yeah. Instead of censoring the directors and their films, the MPAA system is designed to alert the public to what is in the movie. Ideally, the moviegoer then has the chance to see the film based on their own discretion. It's worth noting that many of the people that argued for film censorship in the 1960s were also in favor of prohibition in 1920. Wah, wah. No surprises there. Yeah, Yeah. surprise, surprise. (laughs) Jack Valenti marketed his ratings as a public service and convinced major newspapers to distribute information about the new ratings and what they meant. The ratings were meant to evolve with the times, filmmaking and with current parent opinions. (laughs) That's what they're supposed to do. (laughs) The initial ratings were G for general audiences, M for mature audiences, though all ages were admitted, R for viewers 16 years of age or older, and X for no child under 17. X. X. For extreme violence. I don't know. Extreme (laughs) sex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how sex can be extreme, but... (laughs) Oh, uh, it can be extreme. It's like sex on a snowboard or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, hell yeah. Take it off sweet jumps. (laughs) Eventually, the M rating became PG for parental guidance, 
The R age was raised to 17, and in 1984, the MPAA introduced the PG-13 rating. Yay! Hooray. Yay, PG-13! The PG-13 came about when Steven Spielberg, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, showed the removal of a heart during a human sacrifice scene. This angered a lot of parents when the movie was supposed to be rated PG. After talking about it with Spielberg, Jack Valenti then created the PG-13 rating. So, I think this is hilarious, actually, because when I was a kid, we, we would watch Temple of Doom, and we were not allowed to watch this part of the huh. movie. And so I, I remember it's hilarious to think that, you know, this is what made the PG-13 <laughs> rating happen. The next big change came when pornographic films began using the X rating in their branding and marketing. So the NC-17 rating began as a result in 1990. Yeah. See? It is extreme. Along with the NC-17 as a rating, the MPAA also began to use descriptors. They were originally only used for the R rating, but have since expanded and are now used on the others as well. An example of this is when it says for, like, violence, language, frightening images. I can't believe that wasn't always there. I know, me neither. I was really surprised. That so restricts the movie without telling you why. Mm -hmm. And that... That's just kind of unfair. It's just, yeah. unf- you know, to yeah. see. That's you think about the Black Cauldron, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like people saw the PG rating, but there was no reasoning. Yeah. There was nothing yeah. that said, mm-hmm. here's why. And so parents thought, ooh. Can't do that. So yeah. not for kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if it just said for the Black Cauldron, PG, the king is really scary. <laughs> that would be frightening images. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> frightening images. One of, my, one of my favorites is comic mischief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the things that they say are pretty funny. Yeah, yes. yeah, I love that one. In 2007, smoking warnings were added to these descriptors. Yeah. Uh, yes. They, th- those are added into game ratings as well. Yeah. Use of alcohol, smoking, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and famously, I know Disney does not put any smoking in their movies now yeah not anymore that's that's for sure in 1999 after the horrific columbine shooting members of the public many of them parents turned to movie violence as an issue to combat these fears and protect the youth nato and president clinton came up with the plan to have movie theaters check identification to enter an r-rated movie This has continued on, and in recent years, the Federal Trade Commission has enlisted secret shoppers in order to discover whether or not theaters are keeping up with the enforcement of an ID check. Huh. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy to me that they didn't always do this. Yeah, it's... I know that, yeah, 1999 was not that long ago, mm -hmm. but I wasn't trying to see R-rated movies in 1999, so I wouldn't have known that this was, you know... It, it, yeah, since we grew thing. up with it, yeah, it was always like, oh, yeah, they check ID. I still get carded. I'm 28 yeah. years old. I still get carded when I go see an R-rated movie. You should grow a beard. <laughs> I find that it helps a lot. <laughs> the current chairman and CEO of the MPAA is Charles H. Rivkin. He actually used to work for the Jim Henson Company. Jim Henson Connection. Whoa. Part of that rainbow connection. I was just going to say. Exactly. He was a former president and CEO of, of that company. 
In a special 50th anniversary report, he states, We could point to many factors behind the rating's success, but the clearest one of all comes directly from its founding mission, to maintain the trust and confidence of American parents. Good luck. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It always felt like everybody just, you know, you saw the rating and, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, I know exactly. Oh, that's PG-13? Yeah. You can't see that. You're not 13 yet. Were there ever moments where you guys kind of, I don't know, policed yourself on the rating system? Hmm. Yeah. When I was when I was younger, I would do that sometimes. Where it's like, like, oh, what's this movie? Oh, it's rated R. Uh, hmm. Like I just knew, and I just, <laughs> you know, I just put it back. It'd yeah. be at a blockbuster yeah. or something. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Definitely I, can. I think I my mom bother asking. Yeah. I think my mom policed it enough that I didn't have to. Uh, yeah, in your case, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I I was kind of concerned about what i would see as i got older when i turned 13 Mm -hmm. i was nervous about watching 13 pg-13 movies i didn't know what they would be even though i had seen pg-13 movies i'd seen r-rated movies Mm -hmm. at that point but i think that just you know not having someone show a movie to me because you know most of my childhood movies were shown to me So me just picking out a movie, it being PG-13, it not being watched by someone else first, it kind of made me a little nervous. Yeah, you could run into something horrible. Yeah. 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 He also said, It should come as no surprise in a diverse country like ours that we have heard voices and views from all sides. We are well aware we have our share of detractors and that ratings are inherently imperfect. Some consider us overly permissive. Others insist we are prudes. After rating nearly 30,000 films in 50 years, the overwhelming majority of which are accepted by filmmakers and the public without controversy, I believe we tend to get it right. I just, I feel like we've become too comfortable with it. We, we trust the system and we don't, we don't question it much yeah. anymore. Yeah, we don't know how the system really works and we kind of just... We're, it's always been there. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of yeah. those things. Well, this is just the way it's always been, even though it's even really not, obviously. Yeah, it's only been 52 years yeah, since this it, one. It hasn't been always, but to us, that feels like it's always been around. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about how movies are rated. Yeah. This yeah. is the part that gets extra spicy. Ooh, Ooh spice it up. Yeah. <laughs> The ratings are determined by the Classification and Ratings Administration, or CARA, as part of the MPAA. It was established as a means to protect the First Amendment, filmmakers' rights, and the creative process. Hooray. Yay, protected. I, I like, you know, it sounds nice. Yeah, these all sound so noble. According to the MPAA, CARA is a group of 8 to 13 people unaffiliated with the movie industry who have children between the ages of 5 and 17. In their 50th anniversary report, the MPAA said, The rating board's job is to reflect standards, not set them. While raters adhere to general guidelines to determine a movie rating, as parents' opinion on sex, profanity, and violence evolve throughout the years, the board's ratings have adjusted to reflect those changing views. See, that that blows my mind, though, because even when things change... 50 years from now, somebody may, might be watching a movie from from way back when, and they're not going to, you know, 
the rating would be different, yeah. th- you know, at that current time than it would back then. Okay. So you're not yeah. going to... If the ratings... It, yeah, it, I, yeah. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid watching a movie and I, I wanted to watch something and someone said, you can't watch that, you're too young. And I'd say, well, it's PG. And they'd say, it's an old PG. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just... It, Even now we come with, with that yeah, problem. Yeah, it already happened. So it, it, it is. It's a, it's a kind of weird thing. Carrie is notoriously secretive, and the members of its board are not known to the public. It has been compared to the CIA in terms of upholding the anonymity of its members in the ratings process. Oh, <laughs> now I see what you guys were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. The only public member is the board's chair. Right now is Kelly McMahon, who took over for Joan Graves after three decades in the position. This is the only film rating system that does not disclose who its rating people are, an issue that has been met with a lot of criticism from filmmakers. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, yeah. Was, I was more optimistic. <laughs> a report released by the MPAA in 2018 gave this information. Although the names of a few senior raters are publicly known, the majority of the board continues to operate in anonymity in order to insulate the decision-making process from outside influence. The MPAA said the rating board is comprised of 8 to 13 raters who are parents, with the exception of senior raters. Members must have children between ages 5 to 15 when they join, and must leave when their children reach 21. They can serve as long as seven years. Wow. That's so interesting. The, the stipulation of children at a certain age is mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the fact that you have kids doesn't necessarily mean your opinion's going to be right. correct. And so the idea is that these people are on the board and they watch a movie and they say, I'm concerned with my 10-year-old daughter mm-hmm. who's currently 10 years old, right? I'm concerned with her watching this movie. So this movie's PG-13. That is supposed Mm -hmm. to be the thought process. In an All Things Considered interview with NPR, which we'll link to, it's really good. Everyone should listen to it. Joan Graves said that the chair looks for board members that are sensible and that can reflect standards rather than want to set them. So the idea is that we are not, they are not there to set standards. They are there to just reflect standards, which I feel is a very thin line that might yeah. be kind of hard to walk sometimes. Yeah, it it immediately sounds like that's not always the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said in the interview that there was a woman she interviewed for the for the position for one of the positions, and the woman said she said, "Why do you want to be on the ratings board?" And the woman said, "I want to get the f word out of movies." And Joan was like, wow. "Okay, well, that's not what we do. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. yeah, but so that that would be an example of, you know, not setting standards, right? Yeah, we're yeah. not saying that no one's ever allowed to use that word, mm-hmm. but we are going to police them if they do. Wow. She then went on to say that every time she got a complaint about a movie rating, she would mark where the person lived and how old their children were. She said that parents in the South tend to care more about blasphemy, Midwestern parents tend to challenge sexual content, and parents on the coasts in major cities will complain about film violence. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, this yeah, that is what she said. You know, talking about how they're not supposed to set standards, they're supposed to just reflect standards. How are you supposed to reflect the standards of all these different places within just 
each of these movies. Right, and right. I mean, we're, this board is in Washington, D.C. Do they have someone from each of these major cities yes. on the board? Press Do they X have to, to travel? Doubt. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And the fact that they can be there for seven years, thats yeah. that seems way too long. Yeah. In the documentary, This Film Is Not Yet Rated, explains some of the criteria for specific ratings. G. No nudity, no sex, no drugs. Violence must be cartoonish and minimal. There may be language that goes beyond polite conversation. So, comic mischief. Mm-hmm. And yep. you can say, you're a dummy. That's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. PG. Strong language, like shit and damn. Brief nudity, slight violence. Wow. Shrek is a PG movie. They yeah. say damn at least, I think, three times in Shrek. That's ah. actually pretty interesting because that's not what I imagine a PG movie is. Right, right. I think about PG movies of the 80s where they did say shit a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. PG-13. Shit can be used more frequently and only one instance of the word fuck as long as it does not refer to the act of having sex. Aha. Yes. Uh, we are now rated R, by the way. Yeah. Because yes. we've said it more than once. Oh, it's yeah. it's it's so interesting that line, you know, just just saying one word a couple times, and in any context, you say you say that, and it's like, well, who who knows what it's, they really meant? Yeah, you know? and it's always fun to watch a PG thirteen movie and listen for the listen for the one instance of the mm-hmm. word because you know that they were only allowed to do it once. Mm-hmm. Yep. R. Sexual themes, frank sex talk, sexualized nudity, tough language, and tough violence. Getting tough. Yes. (laughs) And of course, the F word more than once. Yes. NC-17. Sex in any position besides missionary, oral sex with females, anal sex, fetishes, and aberrational behavior. Wow. Notice how as the ratings got more intense more restrictive, mm-hmm. it became more about sex than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These qualifiers come from that documentary. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is how they qualified it in the documentary. Mm-hmm. So this is not from the MPAA directly. Yeah. The documentary also found that four times as many films received an NC-17 rating for sexual violations over violence. Although experts that work with at-risk youth and the Surgeon General have voiced opposition to how violence is portrayed in popular PG-13 films, the ratings board has no behavioral experts to weigh in on the possible repercussions of depicted violence. As of 2005, there were no Mm -hmm. experts. We don't believe there are any now, but they don't release people on the board, so... Much of the criticism isn't about realistic violence, but but, but the no blood violence of a PG-13 film. Some argue that depicting violence without consequence could be more harmful than showing young audiences stories of realistic bloodshed. The Avengers has some pretty over-the-top violence, and there's, it, when you really think about what's happening, that city is being yeah. demolished, you, right? If you have to change your focus yeah. when you're watching it because the way the movie portrays it, it's still brightly colored and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Tony Stark's doing quips and, you know, flying around. But buildings are falling apart. People are inside those buildings, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you're a kid watching that, you might not have the ability to shift your focus like that. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. some of these places are saying, well, okay, an adult can look at this and say, this is a fantasy world, Mm -hmm. okay? Not a lot of blood in a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. 
But a kid watching it, you know, they might not understand or make the connection between violence and all of this awful things that could come of it right. later on. Yeah. And, I mean, you simply just change that focus to a movie like something more recent, um, 1917, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That was R-rated. And while it wasn't, like, glor- I, I mean, glorifying violence kind of like The Avengers does in a way – but it was depicted yeah. more realistically and kind of yeah. therefore would be worse yeah. in the eyes of the rating system. Yeah. And if it's rated R, they still probably left things out. They probably still had to cut things out. Yeah. That is true. Having your film rated is technically voluntary. However, many theaters will not show a film if it is unrated. Although Jack Valenti always insisted that a film's rating did not affect how much money a movie made, box office analyst Paul Dergarbedian states that a PG-13 and R rating could be the difference between a million and tens of millions of dollars. I believe that. I believe that because, like I said, Avengers, Mm -hmm. pretty dang violent. But the instant that a movie like that gets R rating... Yeah. I mean, I would be kids. far more interested in seeing it if it got oh. an R rating. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a grown-up. Joan Graves even discussed this further in that All Things Considered interview, saying that studios would often have a director sign a contract saying that they would make a PG-13 film. Directors would work with MPAA and CARA before finishing the film to figure out how to tell stories without getting an R rating. Hmm. Oh, that's my a gosh. fine line to walk. I think. Yeah, I think the example she gave was the movie Ray. The man said, "I have to make a movie about somebody who is a womanizer and a drug user. How do I do that without an R rating? Because if it gets a P- if it gets an R rating, then you know, the studio doesn't want the movie to be made because hmm. they want as many people to be able to see it as possible. And PG thirteen is the most middle of the road. Yeah, no, it rating. is. The MPAA does not have any published rules governing the decisions behind their ratings, but when a filmmaker doesn't agree with the ratings, they have two options. Here we go. Uh, They can either appeal or change the movie based on notes from the ratings board. This is not a censorship organization. (gasps) What? It isn't? So remember, pull that memory back from, from the back of our brains, everybody, where we talked about how it was a censorship organization under the Hays Code. And they had the same type of process. No appeal has ever been filmed or recorded, but directors say that they are not allowed to argue for precedent. For example, if your film was rated R for, for a scene similar to that of a previous film that got a PG-13 rating, you will not be allowed to bring this up. What the hell is up with that? I mean, it's because they're not setting standards, right? It's exactly. That's exactly (sighs) why. They're not setting standards. Yeah. They're not setting (laughs) standards. So they can't say, you know, well, we set this standard when we rated this movie this many years ago. And also, I think because the board is changing frequently, the idea is that the board is changing frequently. And because of that, you might bring up a movie from 1994 and maybe now it's 2008. And so it's, you know... 
you can't, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so because of those reasons, they say you can't do this. Yeah. You can't use precedent. Yeah. I mean, what, the, what you explain just the minute parts of your movie at guess, that point? Yeah, and, yeah, I guess you just have to be creative with huh. explaining yeah. and appealing and trying to get them to understand why it should be okay for a kid to see this movie at the parent's discretion, right? Because you're arguing probably most often arguing between an NC-17 and an R rating. Yeah. And parents generally don't take their kids to see R ratings anyway. So, right. mm-hmm. but, you know, you're trying to at least get the movie in the theater. When was the last time a movie came out with NC-17? Mm. Like, Yeah. It's kind of fallen, fallen to the wayside, but usually it when it comes out, you don't hear about yeah. the movie. Yeah. And this film is not yet rated the documentary that we were talking about before. Filmmaker Matt Stone accused the MPAA of favoring major studios over independent ones. For example, he said that when he got an NC-17 rating for an independent film, he was told that he couldn't receive notes on how to change it, as that would be censorship. That's correct. It would mm-hmm. be censorship. Yeah. And that, that you know, because that's what they did under the Hayes Code. Absolutely. But what the hell else is he supposed to do? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. sighs> But when he made the South Park movie for Paramount, he was given a list of suggestions on how to avoid the NC-17 rating. So what is so wrong with the NC-17 rating? Well, the MPAA won't help you distribute the film, most theaters won't show it, and some major retailers like Walmart won't sell it. It could be a financial death sentence for your film. Dude, that is rough, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about what we read before about what kind of what determines an NC-17. Yeah. I mean, it's not that those, bad, yeah, is it? Yeah, those like, are just specific examples of things yeah. that determine it. I mean, there could be other stuff, too. Yeah. And like, you're at the whims of the board who we, yeah. don't, we don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't know wh- how they're actually making these choices because none of it's recorded. Yeah. And we're not told... I mean, and like I said, because they're not setting standards, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they released the reasoning behind all of each movie, then that would be setting a standard. It would mm-hmm. be setting a precedent. And when these filmmakers aren't given notes, a lot of times they're just told, take out however much you like. If you take out too much, that's okay because it'll end up being better. Yeah. Just look at your movie again. Yeah. And just take some things out. Yeah. So simple. Yeah. And I believe they... When you submit a film, you you pay to have it submitted. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so the more times that you Balls. submit it, if you're like an independent filmmaker, that that could break your bank if you're trying to get it yeah, to a lower... Let's say, especially if you try again and you still fail, like mm-hmm. you're getting to the point where you may not even be able to make anything back on this movie. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to talk about a very specific example about this because as we've said this is supposed to change with the times and mm-hmm. this happened recently and i thought that it was very interesting because it is showing a little bit of a change mm-hmm. and how things are done so in 2018 studio a24 released the film eighth grade and it had an r rating from the mpaa many were critical of this decision as actual eighth graders could not see the film the main reason for the r rating was language fuck is said five times Mm. how many times is it said in real eighth grade though exactly yeah that was the that was the criticism people said are are you kidding yeah Yeah. eighth graders say it all the time when i was a kid i remember when i learned this when i learned that the f word twice what meant Mm r-rated i I was i remember i was in sixth grade and i actually was sitting in class one day and i thought 
a movie about my life, like an accurate movie about me in sixth grade, would be rated R. I wouldn't be allowed to see my own movie about me. Yeah. Due to this, 50 theaters across the U.S. participated in a no-rating-enforced screening. This is not the first time a theater has released a film without a rating so that younger viewers can see it. But it was notable because AMC, Regal, and Cinemark participated as well. Wow, wow. that's good. It's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, they released it at a limited screening of it as an unrated movie, which wow. usually unrated movies are not shown at major mm-hmm. yeah. theaters. <laughs> yeah, but they decided, you know what? Eighth graders should see this movie. It's about them. Mm-hmm. It's a story for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't they see it? Just because the F word's in it. They say the F word. Yeah. yeah. If it was like just using the name yeah. eighth grade mm-hmm. and then was like, mm-hmm. oh, they were doing drugs and like all this, like, yeah. like much worse stuff. Mm-hmm. You kind of get it. But if it's just the language. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, again, it's supposed to be at your own discretion. That's the yeah. whole point right. is we're supposed to take these ratings Look at what yes. these descriptors are and yeah. be like, okay, you know what? I should go see that. Or right. no, you know what? That might not be for me. Right. And, you know, think about a 14-year-old who wants to see this movie with their friend, right? Mm-hmm. You're 14. Yeah. And you don't want your mom drops you off at the theater and you go in with your friend and they card you and boop, yeah. you can't see it because you're under 17. Damn. I, and, like, you know, and it's like a movie for you. I mean, yeah. That's so silly. Just going to yeah. have to go see TMNT instead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like me and Adam. We used to go to the movies That's together. Right. We were 14. We didn't see any R-rated ones, though. We sure didn't. <laughs> me and Adam, are we are notorious rule followers. Yep, we're the the <laughs> ding, good, good kids. Goody, goody two-shoes. <laughs> yeah. That's us. That's us. So we've talked about the theaters and how these ratings are connected with theaters and who can go see them. Well, times have changed. We now have Netflix. Mm -hmm. There's streaming services. Yeah. And so in 2006, Netflix produced a documentary. This film is not yet rated. And they did this with the BBC. Yep. However, since then, Netflix ended up joining the MPAA the same year that their film Roma was nominated for Oscars. So 2019. What? Yeah. So they helped produce this... I'm going to go ahead and say it. This documentary is not a positive look. No. At the MPA. <laughs> so I, I would say it, not. It is it's all over them. It is a little funny that <laughs> that they did they helped produce that and now they're part of it. But it's all part of free speech. They should be able to be part of the MPA. Yes. Because, you know, no matter what they've said about them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but it is funny. <laughs> they are now, according to an IndieWire article by Steve Green, Yet another major entertainment entity to become a dues-paying member to the organization. They made history by becoming the first streaming service to do so. So before they were part of this, a movie would come out on Netflix. It would be a Netflix-produced exclusive movie, and it wouldn't have a rating. Because, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. Just. But now, they can have them. Yay. <laughs> Is that good? I don't know. <laughs> Remains to be seen. I mean, I know. I bet you there are some parents out there that would say yes because they yeah. don't want to accidentally mm-hmm. show their kids something that, like, like a perfect example would be Sausage Party, right? On yeah. face value, it's like totally yeah, fine, it's like, animated, oh, it looks like goofy a kids cartoon. movie about food. Yeah. Right. Watch it. 
Definitely not every parent not. has enough time to research a movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. Tom Brugman from IndieWire said, The MPAA consists of companies who pursue profits from making feature films, and Netflix wouldn't be joining them if it didn't want the same. But this new member tells us that all companies want to supplement what theaters have to offer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing some new developments in that realm right now. Right. In a 2012 Entertainment Weekly article, there are some suggestions on how this system could be fixed. These were some of their suggestions. One was to focus on the content advisories and not the ratings. Yes. That would be, yeah, just get rid of the... Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. actual like rating and warning just, this this film has strong language or <laughs> just imagine for a g movie warning this movie is little baby kid movie you're gonna <laughs> be fine <laughs> like you know if it has yeah. nothing to say but it still puts that up warning this movie has no artistic value whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> oh man harsh ouch <laughs> The rating system should be taken with a grain of salt. These are not gods or even film experts. Pay attention to why a movie was given a certain rating before you go see it or let your child see it. Yeah. Yep, like you said. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I get it. I get parents do not have time like, yeah. to research stuff. And so that's why it's so great that there is a system that a parent can look to and say, okay, fine. You know, like, what's it rated? All right, you know. Yeah, PG, fine. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, just looking, if you are really worried about it, I mean, look at why the movie was rated what it was. Because, you know, this is, we're just saying, we're not saying that it's a bad system, Mm -hmm. but we are saying that it's flawed, and every system is flawed. Mm -hmm. Right, because if you think, you know, at the end of the day, a parent could take their kid to see an R-rated movie if they wanted. mm -hmm. It's up to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, if they think it's okay, then that's that. Another suggestion was to end the R rating for the use of just one word. Really the most infamous yeah. part of the whole Seriously. thing is mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's incredibly arbitrary that the inclusion of one word more than once results in an R rating. When the Hayes Code was outdated, movie guidelines got a much-needed revision. The MPAA rating system claims to adapt to the times and changing social mores of our society. This is one aspect that feels archaic. Yeah. You know, we were saying how after 36 years, it's, you know, that must so much changed and it was time for a revision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is one of those things that, that deserves a, a second look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially with the way things progress now, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. from... From 1915, you know, going forward, sure, things changed at whatever rate they do, but with technology and social media and all of these things, you know, streaming services, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. everything is changing exponentially faster. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you would have to do these revisions with, you know, less and less time or more often. Yeah. You know? And the last one was to reform the board itself yeah yes smack (laughs) them maybe add more experts on child psychology the board has clergy why not have scientists as well exactly that's good yeah Yeah. they've got clergy 
members helping them make these decisions and whatever. But what about other kinds of experts? Mm -hmm. People who might, you know, watch something and think, ooh, this might this might be too troubling for kids mm-hmm. based on this scientific research that I've done or this yeah. paper that I've written mm-hmm. or, you know, any some kind of test My that somebody experience. did. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that would kind of help if they had somebody else there. Honestly, the more diverse uh, uh, opinions you can get, the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why maybe don't have them there for seven years as readers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make the system more transparent and allow filmmakers to quote precedent while making their appeals. This would require formal decisions by the board that are known to the public. But why not? Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. I mean, it would mean they'd be setting standards. They would have to change basically what they've said that they don't do. Mm -hmm. But at least now it would be like, okay... Yeah, I mean, now we know. Sure, yeah, Yeah, maybe they'd be setting the standards now, but it would be so much easier to, like, argue it. Yes, Mm -hmm. it'd be more like, it'd be more like, you know, going to the Supreme Court or going to any court and saying, you know, okay, well, according to this movie at this time, Mm -hmm. and they say, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yep, all right, changed. Maybe we should treat unrated films as if they aren't so taboo. Well, that sounds like a capital plan. Yeah. I think, Disney, if you're listening, release an unrated version of Endgame. See what happens. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> the main takeaway from this is that the system is a guide. Sometimes you will agree. Sometimes you won't. But see the movie yourself if you're concerned about what your child is watching. And that's that's yep. the takeaway from this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we grew up honestly really believing in this system. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. You know, it was a thing we were always told. And I remember when I was 10 and Pirates of the Caribbean came out, I was stoked, as any 10-year-old would be, about seeing this movie. Like, I, I was so excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Then the rating came out, and it was PG-13. And I was devastated that I couldn't yeah, see man. this movie. Yeah. Because it was PG thirteen, and my mom decided you, she let my my she had my brother go see it first, and he came back and she said, "What's in it? Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. is it PG 13 mm-hmm. And he said, "I can't think of any reason why Robin shouldn't be able to watch it." So my mom let me see the movie. Nice. So That's you know, awesome. and now you're this, and, and <laughs> now you're like this. And right? now, yes, I'm it, just yeah, exactly. And now I'm destroyed and ruined <laughs> yeah. forever. Because yep. of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was 12, I saw Stand By Me, which is an R.E. Oh, film. Yeah. yeah. And I remember my parents always, they would ask, what's this movie rated before we watched it? Mm-hmm. And if we said R, they'd say, well, why? Mm-hmm. Is it for violence or what is it for? Yeah. And we'd mm-hmm. say, oh, it's language. And they'd say, oh, well, if it's just for language, whatever. Uh, whatever, yeah. They didn't care. It was a case-by-case thing. You know... I think the real winning suggestion then would be to remove the G, PG, PG PG-13R part from it Mm -hmm. and just say, this movie is full of this stuff. Yeah. And just be more descriptive on that stuff. About the problems mm -hmm. with the movie. Yeah. What exactly is in it and what to look for. Because even though they they say that they're not setting standards and that's not their goal to set standards, they are. Because people see that a movie is PG, they're immediately thinking, this other movie was PG. It's probably similar to that. And so when when you see that, you're going to immediately, your brain is going to 
is going to put those pieces together and have that standard be set, even mm-hmm. if that's not their goal mm-hmm. or their intention. I think even just the fact that, you know, the one F-bomb yeah. rule, that I feel, isn't that a standard? Just ha- you know, It is. That's a, that's a standard. That's just a straight-up standard right yeah. there. If I bet you if we were to talk to them, they wouldn't say that it was a rule. Yeah, but yeah. it's just it just so happens to be. It's so that obvious that every it is. time, yes. yeah. every movie that says it more than once is yeah. R. So again, with anything, you just take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the, that's how we should just everyone. I, I yep. just add a whole bunch of salt to your metaphorical diet <laughs> because literally everything, not your real diet, salt can be bad yes. for you. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean everything that you read. All the information that you digest, doesn't matter if it's movie ratings or if it's the news, you should always take everything with a grain of salt. You should always question things and figure th- figure things out for yourself because otherwise you are going to have a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. or you're just going to have a very skewed view of things and you're going to mm-hmm. miss out on so much. Yeah. And I also want to say there are other ratings guides on the internet uh, that is also oh. true that do watch movies and and are specifically meant to, to let children know mm-hmm. how these movies especially movies mm-hmm. that come out in other countries yeah. that might not have these ratings right so there are yep. other other ways to yeah. get to get this information there's also does the dog right my favorite <laughs> website does the dog die.com yes. i look at it every time there's a sweet pupper boy <laughs> or girl in a movie <laughs> That's right. And if the dog does die, it's an automatic R rating. It's for an Adam. automatic <laughs> not gonna watch. Yeah, and, oh, oh, yeah NC seventeen. Yeah, a, just NA. Yeah, NA. NA. No Adam. No Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's another case closed. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, everybody. We really appreciate you. Find us at blackcasediaries.com. It's pretty simple. You'll see all of our stuff there: social media, Twitter, Instagram. And Facebook. Also, we've got merch. We've got a Patreon. Just Google us. You'll find us. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye. See ya.